So when we, again, when we count to four, you just play the craziest sound that you can play. One, two, Hello and welcome back to the Mr. and Mrs. V podcast. I'm Loretta and I'm joined by my husband Kyle. Today we are going to start by just reading a couple of emails that we got from our listeners this week. All right, so we start with another email from our friend Trey. Uh, the subject line is just awkward middle school. So it fits in with our topic from last Probably week. Probably our most loyal listener so far. That's we've had right. two episodes and we've received two emails from Trey. Yeah. Thank you. A plus to Trey. Also, I'm having a popsicle, so you'll probably hear that too. You're having a freezy pop. It's different from a popsicle. So you you have to slide it and then you got to crunch it. Anyway. Read the email. (laughs) Here's Trey's email. Subject line, awkward middle school. Once again, this week's podcast hit me. My chosen middle school style was terrible. And Loretta, (laughs) terrible is in all caps. I I only wanted to wear Hawaiian shirts. I think in my mind, I connected to the surfer style at Hollister, (laughs) but it definitely was not. I had terrible clothing style, and I also had a whole buzz cut, wire-rimmed glasses, and colored braces. On top of all these things, I had a unibrow. I at least had enough self-awareness to know that that was uncool, so I did what any sane middle school boy would do and tried to shave the middle bridge that connected the two. No, Trey, you make it worse when you shave. It grows back thicker. Well, he says, great idea, right? It went terribly wrong. I accidentally slipped in the process and shaved off a little too much of one side and tried to even it out on the other side. And back and forth and back and forth until I had no eyebrows. You gotta pluck. You gotta pluck. That's right. So I ended up having a buzz cut, Hawaiian shirts, cargo shorts, wire-rimmed glasses, colored braces, and then no eyebrows. Totally uncool until I actually got friends in style in high school. Enjoy the pictures. And he but sent yeah, us he two sent pictures, us pictures that are elite. Wait, let me see them again. Sure. It's as he described. Hawaiian shirt, cargo shorts, wire glasses, Aww. lack of eyebrows. I'm, I wanted to say, oh, there's the no eyebrows. But what if that's him with his eyebrows? <laughs> I have to say, Aww. looking at this picture, he looks a lot different from uh, what he looks like now. Yeah, if I, if I looked at these pictures and someone said, like, guess who this is, I... He doesn't really... The first picture actually looks like him, I think. But the second picture, it just doesn't to me. Agreed. For sure. Well, thank you for your email again. It's nice to actually have some emails to read. Um, And we received one more email this week. And it's not a story, but it was just a very nice email from my wonderful cousin, Molly Sullivan. And Molly is in the marching band at her high school. And she's a softball player. So she's... She plays softball, and she's a killer French horn player. So I, I just think it's cool when you have athletes who are also in the marching Absolutely. Band. So shout out to you. And she just said, hey, guys, this is Molly Sullivan. I love how she said Sullivan. Like I don't To clarify, know yes. yeah. I just wanted to let you know that I really enjoyed your podcast, and I hope you continue to keep making new episodes. Well, Molly, guess what? We're going to do just that. <laughs> that's right. We are going to continue making episodes. So thank you for your email. Yeah, that's awesome. Great to hear from you both. As a reminder, if you are listening and you want to submit an email, 
The email to write to us to is Mr. and Mrs. V Pod at gmail.com. That's M R A N D M R S V P O D at gmail.com. We'll gladly hear your stories. If you want us to read them on the air, we will. Or if you mm-hmm. want to keep it a secret, just let us know. But we're always happy to hear stories from you that connect to whatever we're talking about. And if you don't want us to say your name for whatever reason, write that in the email. Absolutely. We'll keep um, that between us. And we're going to just continue with stories from our work from the week. And we are music teachers, so when we say work, that's what we mean. Um, so, Kyle, why don't you start? Sure. Um, so... Is my, my popsicle really loud? I, well, I don't know because I you have the headphones on. I I'm don't. wearing the headphones to see if <laughs> so that we can uh, tell what you're hearing, and I think it's not that loud. Okay. But if it is, I'm sorry. If it is, we apologize. Um, so my story from this week comes from our fourth grade class. Um, we have two fourth grades at our school, and this year they're both going over recorder. So we. You remember the recorder? Um, yeah, of course. Everyone's favorite. Um, and the way it worked out, I think... Um, do I have both classes first? Mm. You have them second? Well, however it works, um, there's definitely one class where... Um, no, it's opposite. I have one first, you have the other first. So there's one class that I see... The first time they have music, and then Loretta sees the second time they have music, and it's flip-flops. There's one class that Loretta sees first, and there's a class that I see second. Um, So this class, Loretta saw earlier in the week, and I see them later in the week. And so they are really great about knowing to come in, set up their chair, set up their stand, get their music out, have their recorder ready, like get all that set on your own like we don't meet we meaning me and loretta like don't need to self-sufficient and it's because i told them when they come in i am not lifting stuff i am one person and i'm very small you need to do the labor for me so they come in and they really help me out uh yeah so they're coming in they're getting all set up and as they're coming in i notice a couple i'm like snickering and some and saying like ask him ask him and like clearly it was something that was talked about while I wasn't there. So they're getting set up and I'm saying, all right, once you have your chair, stand the music out, make sure you turn to number seven so we can work on that song today or whatever we're working on. And as I finish saying this, one student raises their hand and says, uh, Mr. V, we have a question. And it wasn't I have a question, it's we have a question. Mm-hmm. And they say, is it true that you've never had a public stone up before. And for those of you that are listening that are not living in the South, sorry to interrupt, but we have a lot of um, Northeast friends. My family. <laughs> yeah, but like we went to college in the Northeast, yeah, yeah, yeah. so the bulk of our friends are in the Northeast. Publix is a good grocery store because in the Northeast, you only have bad grocery That's stores. That's not true. And you, it's very true. And you don't even know it yet, but the grocery stores in the Northeast, they suck. Sorry, they do. So Publix is um, a southern grocery store chain, and it is fabulous. Go on, Kyle. Anyway, so 
they're asking me, have you, it's true, you've never had a Publix donut before? And I was kind of thrown off because, you know, student raised their hand. That's the last thing you expect, mm-hmm. like your food habits. Um, so I was like, uh, what? Like, I didn't answer at first. So like, well, see, Mrs. Vanzura told us on Tuesday that you've never had a Publix donut before. And I was like, well, I mean, that's kind of true. And as I'm trying to answer, like, it was... When I said that's kind of true, it was if I said, like, I go home at night and club puppies. <laughs> like, they they were shocked and appalled. They, like, could not believe that I ne- never had a Publix donut until this summer. Because um, I, had, I had just said, well, it's kind of true. And I had explained, like, you know, I grew up in Vermont and then worked in New Hampshire. And we don't have Publix up there. The only time I really had Publix is when I visited Mrs. Vanzer before we got married. And... We got pub subs that I'm familiar with, mm-hmm. but donuts I hadn't had until earlier this summer. So good, and they were just shocked and appalled. And then, and then once I told them that I had had one, they were like, "Well, what'd you think?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah, it it is really good. You are yeah. right that it it's top notch. Throw that baby in the microwave for like ten seconds, Ugh. and oof. what makes them good is that they're bready. Yeah, I they're, love they're, donuts that are bready." They are very thick. With like four C's. And I'm just, before we leave this uh, subject, I'm just going to say, if you are um, one of our friends in the Northeast and you're thinking, oh no, Shaw's is great, Stoppy is great. No, it's not. It's not. It's not great. Don't act like it's great. It's trash. Horrible. When I went to Providence College and I had to go grocery shopping for the first time and I went to Shaw's, I was. it was just so... So disappointing, disorganized, <laughs> and just not a good experience. Stop and shop, no better. And then what are the other ones? I don't even know. Uh, have you ever been to a Hannaford? Never been. Okay, Hannies is great. Don't say Hannies. Like that's 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 what it is. Like Hannies is great. They have awesome. Uh, they always had like a little sushi option they had uh well you know what Publix has soup they have everything yes Hannaford had everything everything. too yeah Hannaford was great we're moving on from this so uh (laughs) I have a couple uh anecdotes from the week uh the first one is uh this happens a lot so it happened this week but this is something that happens to me probably every week so I teach pre-k3 pre-k4 and kindergarten and something that I do while uh I'm let's say I'm trying to get something set up on my computer to project on the board or I'm trying to get some instruments out or I'm trying to set yeah I'm trying to set something up and at the same time trying to keep the kids like quiet and not super bored Mm -hmm. because like you know some of them they're four years old so I turn my back to uh, try and plug in my computer to the smart board or something which takes you know a good 30 seconds to get working yeah and then it's like chaos while I turn my back so if I have to turn my back or something, I will ask them questions to just keep them thinking and talking uh-huh. about something that I'm asking specifically. So I'll turn my back to hook up my computer to the smart board and I'll say something like, does anybody know what day of the week it is? Because they're in pre-K and that's the kind of stuff they're learning about, like the days of the week or uh, the months in order or yeah. they're learning their colors, shapes and all that. So I'll ask questions like, uh, you know, what shape is the sun or what day is it? What month is it? Does anyone know um, what color the sky is? And they uh, sometimes they give funny answers. And this week, 
I, it was Tuesday or Wednesday and I asked, let's just call it Wednesday. This is pre-K four and I'm, I have my back turned trying to hook something up and I say, does anybody know what day of the week it is? And this kid's hand just shoots in the air so fast. And he's like, he's going to die if I don't call on him. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, Johnny. And he's like, it's Sunday. And he didn't say it like there was a question in his voice. He says it so confidently. Like he was sure that it was Sunday. Like Not like he was sure. He would have bet his life that it was Sunday. (laughs) And I just said, I didn't know how to answer nicely and tell him that that's not correct. Because he was so sure of himself. And I was like, Johnny, like, that's a, you know, that's a great answer. Sunday is a great day. It's not a great answer, though. He's wrong. No. I was like, it's not (laughs) Sunday. Um, And then one girl is just like, yeah, it's not Sunday because we're in school. And she may as well have added idiot to the end of that. (laughs) But they got so snippy with him. And I was like, everyone, back off. They get so hostile. Yeah. If someone's wrong and others know it they're gonna let it known that they knew that they were wrong it does make me laugh though when i ask a question like that that has a very obvious answer but they're three and four yeah and they just say it's sunday like (laughs) with the utmost confidence i would bet my left arm that it is sunday (laughs) when it is just wednesday Wednesday. (laughs) um and then i had this isn't a funny story but i just had a, a parent email me this week and it was just a very, it was kind of like my high for the week. You know, it was have, a winning moment. You have a great. high and a low for the week. This was definitely my high for the week. I have a class that is a 7th and 8th grade elective course. So um, students don't have to take this class. They sign up if they want to. And it was listed as percussion ensemble. But I had a whopping one kid sign up. So obviously we can't have a percussion ensemble with one kid. But I did know that this kid was really into rock music, and I know he was always interested in drum set. So I was like, okay, because it's just you, why don't we just make this like drum lessons, drum set lessons, and you see me twice a week Not for a bad idea. almost an hour. So it's been great. We have two drum sets set up facing each other. I play something. He copies me. It's really fun, and he's doing really well. He's progressing very quickly, and I guess, you know, he goes home and tells his parents about this class and I get an email from his mom and it said like you know hi Loretta I just wanted to let you know that uh, again we're gonna call him Johnny Johnny loves your class he has so much fun he is obsessed with drumming and I emailed her back you know something like oh that's so nice to hear thank you for sharing and she sends back he came home the other day and said he wants to be a professional drummer (laughs) and she said it like enthusiastically like that's a positive thing yeah that and is I, just, a positive. I thought it was really cool because uh, there are a lot of parents out there where if their kid came home and said i want to be a drummer they'd be like no you're not that's unrealistic you're not doing that or like yeah. you know get that out of your mind and i just thought it was cool that this kid went home and said that and even though his mom you know probably understands the realities of you know the chances of that happening more than others she's like you know what like that's really cool i'm gonna encourage that because Encourage the creative Even outlet. Because first of all, A, he could become one. Who knows? B, if he doesn't, uh, he's going to work really hard at this. He's going to have a really cool skill. Yeah, absolutely. In the end. And I just thought it was really nice that there was a parent that was so excited about their child going home and saying, I'm going to be a professional drummer. Yeah, that's really so. awesome. And it, it's a testament to how well you're doing with that that student in that. Yeah, I, I mean... I, I don't say class because it's... Uh, it's like a lesson. It's yeah. a private lesson. It's just more it's fun for me because, you know, drum said that's my... Get back behind the set. ...main instrument, so I get to sit there and play. Yeah. So, you know. That's awesome. Um, and then 
my favorite story of the week. Probably I was... my favorite story ever happened this ever. week. Ever. Wow. Okay. One of them at school. Probably one of... It's top three for sure. Yeah. I was there for this one. It was, it was very funny in person. So my sixth graders, um, they kind of missed out when they were in fourth grade on playing the recorder. And they didn't have me when they were in fourth grade. So they are playing the recorder this year in sixth grade because they will have the option to take band next year as an elective if they'd like. So I wanted them to play the recorder so that if they chose to take band next year, they'd be ready to do that. But as sixth graders that have me for an hour at a time, playing the recorder gets a little tedious and stale. So uh, half the time we play recorder... And then the other half, they do bucket drumming, and we, you know, are trying to uh, build their, like, rhythmic literacy. So what we've been doing is I have this website. It's called the Rhythm Randomizer. So if you're a music teacher and you need a good, like, website, this is a great website. Um, And basically what it does, it just projects random rhythms on the board, um with the parameters that you put in. So for this one, I put in, we're going to use quarter notes, eighth notes, and quarter rests. And I told the kids, whenever there's a quarter rest, you're not going to rest. You are going to say a one-syllable word in that rest, just Mm. to make it fun. So I asked the students to come up. I said, put your hands up and come up with a one-syllable word that you think would be fun to say during that time. And, And they know that it has to be something school appropriate. Yeah. If someone kid raises his hand and he goes, let's say, you know, dog. And I was like, oh, okay, that's a good idea. Let's hear a few more, though. And someone says, woof. And I was like, okay, that's a good idea. We'll say woof during the rest. So we do that a little bit. It was really funny. We were having a good time. And then I said, all right, let's come up with a different one-syllable word. And this kid's hand just shoots up so fast. And he just looks at me dead in the eye and he goes, diarrhea. <laughs> I'm just like, I can't help but laugh at potty humor. I'm very immature. So when he said that... I was like, Johnny, look at me in the eye. I was like, I'm going to count the syllables in diarrhea on my fingers, and I want you to watch. And I went, diarrhea, and, and held up four fingers yep. by the end. I was like, it's not like you gave me a two-syllable word. You were so far off on you this one-syllable word. And I was like, why, Johnny? And he just goes, because it's funny. I'm like, you know what? You're not wrong. And I, sometimes as a teacher, you need to... Bite your tongue and not laugh at the funny things your students say. But this, I couldn't help it. You can't help it. And it it was, like you said, his excitement to raise his hand and shout out diarrhea was... Yeah. I mean, it was contagious. Oh. So... The excitement, not the diarrhea. Right. Contagious diarrhea (laughs) is not so funny. No. No, it's not. Anyways, so why don't we move on to our topic for this week? Sure. So this week, um, as we said... In the first episodes, we were kind of laying out our format for the podcast. We want to try to make these topics that they're relatable to not just music teachers or not just teachers, but anyone that works. Um, Anyone that does a thing that takes up all their time. Yeah, exactly. Um, So this week, our topic is trying to make time for your hobbies and your passions while working full time. Um, So basically just... How do you balance your schedule? How do you make time for the things that you're passionate about or the, your hobbies, stuff you like to do while you're still working a full-time job? Because it's hard and it's something that takes a lot of practice and is something that um, can be difficult 
to navigate as you want to try to keep your hobbies and passions alive. And it's it's easy to lose them sometimes. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about some of our passions, some of our hobbies, and how we've kind of managed to keep that um, in check. So I'll go first. And it's one that we both are passionate about, so we can kind of both share, but um, it's running. So if you know what I look like, you know that I am not a beefcake. I don't have huge muscles. Um so when I go to the gym, I'm not necessarily always hitting the weights. I do sometimes, but it's embarrassing when I go because I'm using like the same weights that like the 16-year-old girls there are using. But you know, it's all about self-growth. Those three and five pound dumbbells. Hey, I'm up to 10 now. Good. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting swole. Uh, but anyway, when I go, um, I usually run. And running is something that I've been that I've loved since I was younger. Um, I actually started running when, actually when I was at camp, we started, when we had color wards, it was like they divide the kids into different teams. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the session, they'd have like a track meet and they'd have what they called the marathon, which is like a longer race. The younger division ran a mile. The intermediates, let's see, 11, 12 year olds ran two miles. And the seniors ran three, so like a 5K. Yeah. Um, so I did the junior marathon, so the one mile race, when I was like seven or eight. And it was like from that point on, I just really liked running. Yeah. Like I just, I found it therapeutic, but I also found it like, you know, the endorphin kick always hit me. Yeah. Um, and it just, it was a nice way to like, uh, it was a nice way to, you know, get my exercise in. Yeah. Um, so I started running cross country and track in middle school and high school. Um, and then I got to college and like didn't really run at all. Um, yeah. Partially because of what we're talking about of like trying to balance your hobbies and your passions. Um, when I got to college, it was like you had, I had to wake up early every day to get to classes because as a music ed major, like my schedule was packed between education classes music classes general curriculum like you didn't have a lot of free time yeah we didn't really get the option to have our classes in the afternoon or in the morning it was almost like uh the way our curriculum was laid out for our major at providence college we had eight thirties or eight o'clock classes every day and for the music classes it wasn't like you it wasn't like general like science or english classes where it's like oh well you you have this option at this time on these days or this time it was for the music classes it's it's offered at one time yeah the program was so small that you know music theory one is offered only at this time you have to be in this class basically is what it was yeah so it's a little difficult to manage but um but the point is that the, the schedule is very defined and it was a busy schedule of getting all our classes in and then we'd have ensembles like our symphonic winds or jazz band at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so with everything that was going on, it was there. There wasn't a lot of time, and on top of all that, you have to practice for your lessons. You have those lessons, like private lessons. Um, so running just kind of slipped through the cracks for me, as did working out in general. Um, yeah. yeah. So I went from a, the tall, lengthy, skinny kid in high school to Still tall, but a little chunkier in my time in college. Um, And it was everything bad. But when I graduated, it was one of those things where I was like, all right, I had my fun. I ate a lot of food, had some beverages. um, But now I want to make sure I'm taking care of my body 
and make sure that I'm like getting the exercise that I need. Um, so right when I got my first job, um, I decided like, all right, I'm gonna slowly get back into running because, like I said, I, I loved it for such a long time that I knew that if I started again, I'd feel good. Yeah, and that like I would enjoy it. I was very wrong for those first few weeks because yeah. as I learned, and it's happened a couple of times, not like I fell off the wagon, but it's like since I graduated in 2018, there have been a few times, I th- I'd say I run pretty consistently, but there have been like three or four times since I got back into it that like I'll take a month or so off. And it's like after that month trying to get back into it it's is awful. always a struggle. Yeah. So it's like whenever you start it again, it sucks. Um so those first few weeks were a little tough and I was running like the summer before school started. So I kind of got into, I, I had the freedom of like whenever I, I had some free time I could run. Mm-hmm. But then when school started, it was trying to fit that into my schedule because I lived about 45 minutes from where I taught. So I'd have to wake up at about 6.30 to have enough time to change, um, shower, eat, and then drive to school. Um, so I, I, like, I could run in the morning if I wanted to. Yeah. But that would be like a 5 a.m. wake-up call to go and run when I'm still kind yeah. of asleep. And as you know, like I've talked to you before, like I don't like running right when I wake up. I need to, I need to wake up. I need yeah, to I get things moving. Yeah, you're the opposite of me. I have to run at um, the beginning of the day. So I like running at the end of the day. And my first year of teaching, I figured it out quickly. I was, I think I tried once or twice to run before school and very quickly was like, no, this isn't going to work. I'm yeah. going to need to, I'm going to need to go after school. But my first year, I, I mean, when we're going through our program in college, like you always are told that the first year is the hardest year of teaching. Yeah. And I think that's true, but not for the reasons that I expected it to be. Yeah. It's more the navigation of all of the moving parts with it. Some of that we'll talk about later, but the part I want to talk about today is just like finding your your personal time, but also just like how exhausted you are. Because you're coming from yeah. this place where you, like, yes, our schedule is busy at PC, but like we still were able to kind of design our schedule a little bit and you could kind of move some things around or like you had that consistent schedule. Whereas teaching, it was like I had different classes every day but yeah, yes, it was the same week to week, but it was so filled. Like I said, I was waking up at 6.30, which I know isn't crazy early, but like waking up at 6.30 and I would go from then all the way until the school day was done when I got home around like 4.30. Yeah. So like a 10-hour day of pretty much being on the whole time. So that first year I was teaching, I would wake up, do everything I needed to do to get ready, drive to school, teach the seven or eight classes that I had. Sometimes do like band or lessons after school and then drive home at four, get home at like 4.35 and then I would fall asleep just because I was so exhausted. And I would sleep for like, like an hour. So then I'd wake up and it's like six or 6.30. Then I would go to the gym and run and then I'd get home, cook dinner at like 7.30 or eight. And then I I would, yeah, then I would have like, I mean, eating at eight, it's like I eat. Then I have about half an hour, an hour absolute max of free time before I want to be in bed. Yeah. So that... I can't... If I take a nap, especially if I take a nap on a weekday 
at let's say five o'clock like that's it i'm not getting back up so yeah. i don't get how you got up and went to the gym. i i don't know it was a lot of uh it was a lot of motivating myself um but with that kind of connecting to what i wanted to talk about next was that uh when i first got back into it, it was like all right my first goal is I just want to be able to like get my mileage up. I want to be able to run five miles without stopping. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got up to that point, and then once I hit there, um, I was like, "All right, let's um, let's sign up for a race." And I yeah. talked to you. I talked to my mom, and a couple steps down the road, we ended up signing up for the Providence Marathon. Yep. Um, we, as in the two of us. Yeah, and my mom. She and, signed up too. But we ran but together you, yeah, the whole time. But you, yeah, you and I ran together the whole time. Um, yeah, put a real strain on relationship. We'll talk about that another time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then when I had that goal of like, I want to run a marathon, that was the motivation to get me uh, not to stop napping yet, but to like, when I would get up from my nap, be like, okay. I need to get this run in, otherwise this goal of the marathon is not going to happen. Well, it's not because now it's like you don't have a choice but to be in shape, and you also like when if you're training for a marathon, there are days where you have to, well, one day a week likely do a long run. Yeah, that takes hours sometimes. Yep, it does. So that's a big chunk of your day. So if you take a nap, that long run's not going to happen. You know, if you're going to do a day where you're going to run, uh, you know. 15 16 miles then you need a good chunk of time dedicated to that yeah so that that was a very long-winded explanation i didn't expect to talk about this that long but um that was a long way of saying like when i first started teaching my primary hobby and passion was like i wanted to get back into running so that i was making sure that i was staying healthy because i knew i knew that the other option if i didn't do that was i'm gonna get back i'm gonna get back into my car at the end of the day of school i'm gonna be so tired and so exhausted that i don't want to cook dinner so i'm just gonna go to burger king Mm -hmm. get a whopper and large onion rings and a large cherry coke and i'm gonna go back home play video games watch tv till i fall asleep because then it also and this is what happens to me it turns into an all or nothing attitude i have a very and i'm not proud of this but i do have a very all or nothing attitude yeah and like i'm trying to get away from that but especially when you're doing something like trying to get back in shape especially running if you have a day where you're like i am too tired i know i'm not gonna run so what is the point of making a healthy dinner what is the point exactly, of doing yeah. anything productive today because i i already gave up on this one big thing so what do all these other little things matter yeah so I, I can I can definitely see that. Yes, and I and I chose to start with this as my first hobby to talk about because that was the first one I kind of navigated with my full time job was, all right in my free time, uh, I need I thought I needed to take that nap after school. I'll talk about it later in this episode, but I eventually pushed that aside. But then the primary motivation for me was like if I want to run this marathon, I got to make sure I'm getting my time to run in whenever I need to in the week. I think at that point I was running like four or five days a week so Mm -hmm. it's like those four to five days every week i'm putting aside this time and that's my running time yeah and that was that was good to have that and um yeah so i know like i said you you were doing the same kind of thing making sure you had time to run as well is there anything you wanted to add i mean because running is we kyle and i have pretty much the same hobbies which might make this partially a little uninteresting because 
I don't have a different hobby to talk about. Yeah. But running, I, I mean, I got into running in high school too. And I got into running, I honestly, I'm not really sure if it's what I wanted to do or if it was just something that I thought everyone kind of expected me to do. <laughs> and, you know, my sister ran cross country and I was like, okay, I'll try that. So I, I ran cross country in middle school and then I continued it in high school. And, you know, when I was in middle school, my first thing that I was ever passionate about was tennis. And when I say passionate, I mean, I was like, I want to be a tennis coach when I grow up. And that went on for a while, even like when I got into high school and I, because when you're in high school, that's when you get a little more realistic about what you want to do when you grow up. Yeah. When I was in second, first, second grade, I was like, I'm going to be a professional tennis player. I'm going to be like Maria Sharapova. I didn't really understand what it took to be Maria Sharapova or Serena Williams, because which is great. When you're young and innocent, you should say things like that. You should have big goals like that. But as I got older, I was like, okay, I'm not going to be Serena Williams, but I do really love tennis and I love being outside on a tennis court all day. And it is something I'm passionate about. And I do love my tennis coaches and I love what they've done for me. So I think it'd be great to be like a tennis teaching professional. And that is something that I wanted to do definitely through sixth grade. I had that mindset Um, after I think I was in seventh grade is when I started doing like USTA competitive tennis. Um, I didn't really like that. It got to the point where it made tennis a little unenjoyable you know, traveling to uh-huh. tournaments, and then you go go home, and two weeks later, your state ranking is up from the results of that tournament, and, you know, the ranking is maybe not what you thought it would be, and then you're disappointed in yourself, and you're playing, and blah, 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 so I was like, this side of it is not for me, I but I do love the coaching aspect of it, yeah. because I had a great tennis coach that I went to for, I went to him for 10 years. That's crazy. 10 years, I've I took a lesson from him every Sunday for 10 years. I loved this guy. He was the best. Um, And he really, like, inspired me to want to do that. Uh And then when I got into seventh grade was when I really started to have a passion for music that was bigger than anything I'd ever felt for tennis. Yeah. But I didn't say anything to anybody because... I didn't come from a musical family, like we said in the first episode. I don't come from a musical family. My family certainly didn't... um, like squash music or anything i just didn't think it was something i was supposed to be that deeply passionate about so i kept it to myself and because i was that passionate i probably should have tarted tarted started (laughs) taking private lessons like percussion lessons in seventh grade that's what i should have done and i know that if i said to my parents hey i love this i want to take private lessons they would have been like then that's great let's do that i just didn't say anything because i didn't know that i should yeah so you know, I went through probably my whole freshman year of high school still with the mindset like I've been saying I want to be a tennis professional for years and years. So I'm still just going to do that. Like this music thing is not something I'm supposed to do. And then by the time I got to my sophomore year, I remember crying <laughs> to my parents one yeah. night. I had dinner with them and I said, guys, like I, I want to major in music in college. That's what I want to do. Yeah. And I, I, for some reason, I had in my head that they were going to be upset by that. And they were like, that's great. Why are you so upset? Yeah. And that Christmas, there was a drum set in our garage for me on Christmas morning. Like they were so supportive of it. So, you know, I was passionate about music. I was passionate about tennis. 
I was not but back to running. I ran cross country in high school really to stay in shape for tennis. Uh-huh. But I was actually pretty good at it. And when I was a freshman, I was running varsity and I was having PRs every race. And it got to the point where every time I reached a personal record, I I was happy with that and I was it was great, but I realized that if I didn't get that PR, I wouldn't be disappointed because I was disappointed with myself. I would have been disappointed because I think everyone expected me to PR and do yeah. well. I was really running because I just it was what I was supposed to do. But yeah. um, I stopped running cross country my junior year of high school because I went all in on marching band. And, oh uh, yeah. Yeah. So running, I became passionate about again in college, and running on my own time. And uh, I ran a half marathon with you and your family my freshman year of college, which. I'd never run that far before, and I thought it was so cool. Um, so when I was a junior, junior in college was when we ran the Providence Marathon, and that marathon gave me, like, that itch. Yeah. I ran the marathon, and all I could think was, okay, I got to sign up for another one. I got to get training again. Take Give my body, like, maybe a few weeks of a break, and then let's go again. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, running felt weird when it wasn't for something. Yeah, that's and absolutely true. I loved that. I loved that I was running for something. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I decided to do. It wasn't because uh, the school decided we had to meet every Tuesday. It was because I decided to sign up for this race. And yep. I wanted to do it. And I made the time for that. But I think I bit off more than I could chew. Especially my senior year of college. And my senior year of college, I was putting more time in my senior year of college than I do now for my full-time job. Yeah. The first semester of my senior year of college, so I was taking, you know, my five classes that I had to take. I was in, uh, so I had five classes. I was in jazz band. I was in the symphonic winds ensemble. And I was in the pep band. And as you know, the, the pep band is like, it's like being on a sports team. Yeah. It's a lot of time. And I was the conductor. So it wasn't like I could miss a game here and there because I was partially in charge. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't. So I was doing all of that. I was working on my senior recital, which I was practicing about... Th- uh, I made sure I did at least two hours a, ga- a day, but I aimed for three. So my goal was 21 hours of practice a week on top of all of this. Then for some reason, I also decided I want to run a marathon and I want to do it alone. I don't want to run with a partner. I want to see if I can mentally do it by myself. So I was also running... Uh, the Newport Marathon in October. So I was doing all this and training for a marathon. So my schedule my senior year, the first semester was get up 6 a.m. By 6.30, be on the track going for your run, and the run was four to eight miles, anywhere in there. So there were some mornings where I ran up to eight miles, shower, go to your five classes, go to your ensemble, and as a percussionist, I couldn't just practice anywhere. I had to practice in the rehearsal hall at our college because all the percussion instruments were in there. Yeah. And I, d- I couldn't just bring them anywhere I wanted. I practiced from nine to midnight and I went to bed and I did it all over again. And yeah, it, that's insane. it killed me. It yeah. was so exhausting. So I made time for my passions, but it was like, at what cost? Yeah. Because eventually I did have a breakdown. I went to my advisor's uh, office and I said, this is what I'm doing. And I was like, I can't take this anymore. Yeah. I can't do this. And he he's the, he was the head of, uh, what was his title? Like the head of instrumental music. Yeah. Something like that. And he told me, he's like, 
this practice routine is bonkers. <laughs> yeah, it is. And he said, he's like, not the three hours a day, but he's like, the fact that you're telling yourself you have to get in three hours a day, no matter what the quality of that practice is, it has to be three hours. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, he's like, one hour of quality, quality practice is so much better than even five hours of practice that you're just practicing for that long to say you practice Absolutely, that and that goes with anything. And that's what I was doing. I was practicing for that long so that I could almost clock it in and be like, I practiced for three hours today, but then really with no result because by hour, you know, one and a half, I, I was checked out. I was done. Yeah. And that's, and like I, was I just said, trying that, to punch the clock. It was exhausting. Yeah. And that mindset can go with anything, practicing of any kind, whether it's like practicing, quote unquote, like you're writing, if you're writing a novel, like one hour of focus specific work is so much better than three hours of lollygagging and kind of sputtering along. Like, Whatever you're doing, that and how you spend your time, like you want to make sure you're making the most of it. And that yeah. connects with this idea of like when you're trying to navigate time for your hobbies, making sure that it's not just getting something done just for the sake of getting it done, but like getting the most you can out of it whenever you're doing whatever it may be. Yeah. And I uh, now, when it comes to fitness, um, you know, last year I was working in Noonan, Georgia, but I was living with my parents in Brookhaven, Georgia, which was about an hour commute. And you gotta also remember, through Atlanta. I had to drive through Atlanta. So the way home was an hour plus. Closer to an hour and a half. So trying to, my fitness level really dropped drastically since COVID started. Um, When I started my full-time job, I was trying so hard to still run like I was. And I didn't have, A, I didn't have the time, B, I had no energy at the end of the day. And I would give up every day. I would get home. And I was like, all right, you're going to go on this run. Just go run for 30 minutes. And I was like, I can't. Yeah. I can't do this. Because also, last year, I was teaching um, everything by myself. I yeah. didn't have You didn't have a, part-time. a part-time teacher. And there were three days a week where I taught 10 classes in a day. Yeah, that's, that's nuts. That in my That's why life, I was brought on. My lunch period was my planning period. Yeah. So even lunch was like just Scarf it down and work. So I go teach 10 classes. I get in the car. I fight traffic through Atlanta, an hour, hour and a half home. I never, I didn't run. And I eventually what I did was I joined, uh, not a gym, but one of those places where you take classes. So I would uh, either do spin or kickboxing every day. They're 45 minute classes. And I signed up. And if I backed out, I had to pay 20 bucks. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, all right, this it's good will make incentive. me have to do it. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. There were one or two times where I was like, I don't care. I'll pay the 20 Yeah. But <laughs> I remember those times. it did help a lot. It definitely got me back into shape. And I was also getting married in the summer. So I was like, I want to stay in shape. You know, yeah. I want to fit well into my dress and all that. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, I've been going through a lot of uh, stuff personally lately that has made my fitness a very difficult thing. But it's... It's coming back slowly but surely, and I'm making time for it. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. So we both run. So we both run. <laughs> um, and so connecting kind of back to college. Um, when – so I'm going to connect a lot of things here. So when I was a kid, like we talked about last week, I really liked reading. That was my, like, safe space. That was my, like, I liked that time to myself. Loretta would have made fun of me as I cried at the end of a Harry Potter book oh, on the bus. Yeah. But, Definitely. Um, yeah, so that was a big hobby of mine. 
And then when I got into high school and college, more specifically college, like we had to read so much for so many classes mm-hmm. that my personal reading just went out the window. Like I, oh, I did yeah. not have any time to read. Um, and that was something I was fine with because I was reading enough for class that I was like, I understand that reading even more would, it'd be kind of that idea of like playing for three hours just to play for three hours. Yeah. It'd be like, I'd be reading just to say that I could read. I would not be enjoying it. Um, or not even comprehend what you're reading. Exactly. I'd, I'd read like 20 pages and be like, I have no idea what just happened. Um, so my senior year, when I started student teaching, um, it was the start of 2018. And I kind of had this realization. It was like, oh, this is like the first time really since I started high school that I don't have like any assigned reading. Like, yeah. I, like my only work right now is writing lesson plans, writing reflections, teaching classes, and doing all that. Like, I don't have yeah. to read. Uh, so my New Year's resolution in 2018 was just to read more. I didn't say, like, an amount. I didn't say, like, what specifically. I just I wanted to get back into reading. Um, so I picked up a couple books that I had heard about. Or like, I think it was – I started with um, – Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express because the yeah. movie was coming or I think oh, the yeah. movie the movie had just come, or no it was that Thanksgiving the movie came out and I read the book that Why'd Thanksgiving Why'd you read the book? There was a movie Cause I'm I'm a book before the movie person Yeah but you just watch it <laughs> Well I got to read it then I got to watch and I got to see how terrible it was compared to the book oh, That, that yeah. movie was not great Anyway so I read that in November like just before this New Year's resolution so and I really loved that book. So I was like, I'm going to go pick up a couple more of hers. And then that led me to a couple other murder mystery authors. And that really just got the ball rolling. And I was like, I'm just going to keep reading like what I enjoy reading. Yeah. And I'm not going to like set any like restrictions. It's just like, I'm just going to like find books that I want to read. I'm going to read them. Yeah. And it was awesome. I really loved it. Um, when I was student teaching, it was like I would get home from teaching I would always, as soon as I got home, we had to do reflections every day. So I would get home. I'd write my reflection right when I got home while it was still fresh in my mind. And then I would usually, like, right when I got home, sit down and read for a little bit. Yeah. Um, And because I didn't have, like, a specific goal of, like, how much I wanted to read in mind, I never sat down and was like, I need to sit down and read for an hour. It was like, I'm just going to sit down and read. Like, I'm going to see what I enjoy. And because I was picking, like, these books that I liked... Uh, most of the time I would sit down and I'd read like 50 plus pages at a time just because I was really loving it. Um, And then as I got into teaching full time, it was another thing that I kind of had to navigate and um, figure out like when my time was going to be because now I was getting home instead of writing reflections, reading, I was being lazy and taking naps um, and then going for runs. So um, I did kind of the trick that I did in college, which was like, Instead of watching Netflix, I'm just going to read. Yeah. Um, so the times I where struggle I struggle with that. Yeah, the time where I was like, uh, "Oh, I, I feel like watching an episode of The Office that I've seen a hundred times." I'm like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, you know what? Instead, I'm going to pick up the book that I was reading." Um, and it, over the last three years, that's been something that's been like just important to me, having that time to myself where I can just read something that I like. Um, and this year, uh, so backtracking for a second. At the end of last year, I read my 100th book since starting getting back into reading in yeah. 2018. Um, and once I hit 100, I'd, I'd been keeping a list. I still have a list going of every book I've read since this like New right. Year's resolution. 
And when I hit 100, I was kind of looking back at everything I had read. And I ended up just like putting the stats of everything together, like how many mystery books I read, how many Mm -hmm. uh, thriller, how many sci-fi, like whatever it was. And it was just so heavy, like almost everything I read was either murder mystery or thriller, um, like written within the last like 10 to 20 years. Yeah. And almost all fiction. I had read a couple nonfiction books here and there. But I'd say 90% of what I read was like fiction, mystery of some kind. Right. Um, so this year I made the resolution of like, I want to get into reading more nonfiction or reading. My goal is just reading stuff to enhance my knowledge. Because mm-hmm. I think reading, regardless of what you're reading, is always going to help your brain develop. Yeah. But I was like, I want to change it up a little bit. Because I think it was also getting a little stale because I could like start to predict the plot more and more because you yeah. know, when you read enough, you can kind of get the hang of it. Um, so this year I started reading more. I really fell in love with reading specific types. Like uh, Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers was my summer reading book for PC. Okay. So I went back and read a couple other of his books like Talking to Strangers um, and Blink and the tipping point, like all of his stuff. And then from him, I started listening to his podcast and I was introduced to Adam Grant, who has another bunch of books. Like uh, he had a book that came out this year called Think Again, which is all about like rethinking yourself, like not being so set on your ways, which Mm -hmm. is kind of what I was doing with my reading, kind of funny. Um, But it's just stuff that like I'm reading now that just, it makes me think and it makes me kind of uh, focus on what I'm doing with my life and not like in a way of like, oh, I'm reading to change my life, but like in a way of like, I want to read something and then like come out of it a little different, like thinking about something else. Meanwhile, I just finished rewatching all seven seasons of Gilmore Girls. Hey, I so. mean, a Netflix binge is always good. Well, um, I have been watching a lot of Netflix and not reading a lot, but <laughs> you know, hats off to me because, as you know, I've gotten very into watching shark documentaries. You have. I don't know what came over me these last two months. I've watched every shark documentary that's available. Um, on Disney Plus. On Disney Plus. I think I know more about sharks than I know about myself. And, you know, maybe I was watching TV, but I hey, learned some It's still stuff. educational. Um but yeah, I when Kyle got so into this this reading business, <laughs> I was just appalled that after reading all these books, Kyle didn't have a Kindle or an e-reader of some kind because Yeah. I convinced Kyle to get a Kindle last summer. Because if you think about, think about a hundred books, think of how much space that takes up Yeah. in your apartment, in your house. And if you have a Kindle, it's all just in there. And then the other thing was books are expensive. You know, you're spending 20 plus dollars for a book almost every time or, or, or like 15 plus dollars every yeah. time for a book. A Kindle, like, it's all discounted to some degree, but just the space alone. The space alone was great. When we would see each other, because remember, we were long distance, so if we wanted to see each other, we had to get on a plane and go see each other for a full year, almost more than that. But he would come visit me with a backpack for his stuff, but then also a backpack just for his books. That was one time. He didn't want to, but I was like, this is comical and ridiculous that you are... Just get a Kindle. Well, that's what it took to convince me was that I came last summer to visit you and I stayed for like a month. And because I was there for a month, I had to bring more than just yeah, the one book I was like, we're I was going reading. to Target. Yeah. We're getting a Kindle. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I think the the big hobby for us that's the hardest to make time for with our 
um, you know, balancing with our professional lives is, you know, we're music teachers and people forget we're not just uh, professionally educators, but we also professionally play instruments of our own. And some people don't realize that, but we do. And we didn't just get our degrees in education, but we got our degrees in a specific instrument as well. And that is something that has been so hard to make time for. And I just, it does baffle me sometimes people, I'm just going to go on a little rant for a second because I'm sure you get this a lot too. So if you ever see a music teacher, don't ever ask them this. So many people have asked me, like, oh, you teach music, so do you play anything or sing or do, do you do anything <laughs> that, yeah, with that's, music? And oh, I'm like, God. yes, I'm not just a music teacher that knows nothing about music. You know, it's just kind of a weird thing. Yeah. People be like, oh, you teach music. Do you actually play anything? <sighs> I'm like, yeah, I actually do. I actually got a degree in percussion with my education degree. Yeah. And there was one lady, all right. Because I know this lady isn't listening, so I'm going to... I don't even know what her name is, but the most offended I have ever been was I was at my uncle's wedding, and this was uh, December 2019. Someone at this wedding who I might even be related to, I have no idea, don't really care at this point, (laughs) but she... I had just given my senior recital at Providence College, and I have to say, it went really well. I played um, six different percussion instruments. I did a, um, you know, modern percussion set, and then also a set of jazz music with a band, and it was a really great recital. Um, It was on YouTube, so a lot of people who couldn't be there watched it on YouTube. Shout out to Darren. Yeah, this woman, whoever she was, watched it on YouTube. She sees me at the wedding. She's like, oh, Loretta... I watched your recital. That It was so much fun to watch. She's like, what talent? How exciting was that? Blah, blah, blah. And then she said, so are you a music major? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm a music education major. And she goes, oh, so what are you going to do? Are you going to go play professionally? Are you going to do this, that? And I said, no, I'm going to go teach music. Hence and I music said it, education. Yeah. So, <laughs> so she looks at me and she said to my face, she goes, oh, that is a shame. What a waste of talent. Yeah, that that just blows my and mind. I didn't even know what to say. I was just like, oh, well, you can think of it that way if you want. Like, what a... Man, I wish I could say a bad word right now. <laughs> she just... Ooh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's just something that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but I just thought I would share because it really made me mad. Anyways, trying to find time to practice our respective instruments. For me, that's percussion. For Kyle, that's trumpet. Trying to find that time while teaching is really hard. And it's something that I'm ashamed to say it. It's something I straight up just haven't done. I haven't done it. Yeah. I, I haven't practiced since I've been working full time. That's about a year now. And it what makes it especially hard for me is in college, I dedicated a lot of time to practicing. A lot. And it was almost like it was a, a necessary part of my day and my life. Whereas, like, if I had a day where I didn't practice, it almost felt like uh, I skipped dinner or something. Yeah. You know, I skipped something so necessary and innate to being myself. And a year going by of not having that hour to three hour practice session every day, it's been hard. And I'm tired at the end of the day. I, I get that. But at the same time, it's like I was tired in college and I still yeah. did it. And for me, the hard part is. I'm a percussionist, so my two major instruments within that are drum set and vibraphone. Those are two very large instruments that 
no, you can't have in your apartment. Uh, you can't just, uh, you know, I haven't set up my drum set at school because A, there's no place to do that. B, I don't want it getting mixed in with the school yeah, stuff. Yeah, you don't want it being like, tampered um, My with. vibraphone I have set up in my classroom because I was like, there's simply no other way. We have a drum set that's owned by the school set up. So I can use that yeah. on a practice drum set. But the vibraphone, I was like, I've just got to set it up in my classroom. And even then, though, I still wasn't practicing as much as I wanted to. And it, I, I can't, it, it almost, uh, when I'm teaching, knowing when it was the last time I practiced, like I'll be teaching a class and in the back of my mind, I'm like, you're teaching music right now and you haven't practiced in, in weeks. You're a horrible teacher. You're not practicing what you teach. Yeah. And it it makes me feel guilty as a teacher and it all it makes me self-conscious as a teacher and it also makes me feel uh, it affects my confidence as a music teacher for mm. sure. When you're up there teaching and telling your beginning band kids, hey, I want 10 minutes a day of practice from you at least. And I haven't even done that yeah, this week. Yeah, no, it is difficult. It, is, it makes you feel ashamed. And I started filling out the same practice logs that our fifth graders fill out this week. That's right. Um, I got to sign it. The yeah, parent. a parent or guardian has to sign it. And I'm too far away from my parents to have them sign it. So Kyle's going to sign it for me. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? My fifth graders are filling these out for me every week. Why am I not doing that? Yeah. Um, and I guess that's one thing that's motivated me to practice a little more. But something this week that has happened that has made me really want to practice more is I just kind of came to the realization that what makes it hard to practice is again just partly the time because there isn't a lot of time during the week if you're a working professional or even you know if you're a stay-at-home mom or dad and managing a household that takes up all your time finding time for your hobbies in that situation is really hard too but also just not having something to practice for like in college, I was always practicing for a recital, a performance, a jury, a lesson that I had coming up that week. But when you're on your own, you're not taking those private lessons anymore. You don't have these required um, concerts that you need to play in. It's hard to find the motivation to practice when there's not necessarily a required reason to practice. But there can be if you want there to be. Yeah. And with social media now, if you are a music teacher who is struggling to find time to practice your instrument or to find a reason to practice your instrument because of social media there's now no excuse yeah like, there is an no audience excuse. out there for you at the touch of a button and this week i started i started making drum cover tiktoks and it sounds silly but it's like you know what this week i started practicing uh some drum fills that i wanted to incorporate into the cover i was going to post so i learned a couple things it made me sit down for a few hours this week and practice um i learned how to edit drum cover videos which was not as simple as i thought it was going to be because i you know i've got the recording to line equipment. it all up and everything yeah, yeah i had to record the drumming record the video and take the original track that i wanted to play over and line all that up and do the lighting and everything and i it just made me realize like there's an audience out there and if i keep producing these videos it's just going to get better and it's going to reach more people like i've gotten people to view my video and like my video today that i have no clue who they are and they don't know who i am they just saw that video and they're like man that's cool and it really does uh make you feel like there's a reason to this and that's what it's all about too is like music is such a wonderful thing that can be 
shared in a space where, like you said, people that don't even know you can enjoy it. And not saying that's unique to music, but I'm saying it's something that is so special that we have been given the opportunity to be educated to such a high level as musicians. Yeah. And it kind of like you said, it'd be a shame if we didn't use that. So it's not like... Yeah. Like, connecting back to your first point, it's not... Like, music teachers are not just failed musicians. That's my biggest no. pet peeve is when I hear that. I'd argue that music, music teachers are some of the greatest musicians because they share their craft and they share what they're passionate about with the next generation. And on top of that, like, in order to be the most effective teachers that we can in terms of being a music teacher, like, we have to keep working on our craft. Well, and, and I was... If I really wanted to perform... For a living, I had the option to do that. I could have gotten my music performance degree instead yeah. of my music education degree. I just I made the choice to get the education degree because I I wanted to fix some of the things that I saw when I was learning how to play music. Yeah. That doesn't mean I want to give up performing. It just means I'm gonna have to do it differently because I don't have the time to dedicate to performing that um someone who is again making a living as a performer, but social media makes it so that there is just no excuse. Like right now, yeah, TikTok is the hot thing right now. And people are making money on TikTok too. There are people who quit their jobs because they've been so successful on uh, TikTok and at the time Vine or YouTube or whatever. Whatever it may be, There is an audience literally in your pocket. And I started this week to feel so stupid to not take advantage of that. And on top of it, it's like, okay, this can work. And yeah, you're tired. And yeah, you have a full-time job. And yes, sometimes... You're teaching so much every day and you're on for so long every day that you're just dog tired and don't feel like doing anything. But if you don't just start this thing, it's it's never going to happen. Just make one video. Yeah. Just take... The, like I dedicated my whole Saturday. I went to school. I set up my mics. I, I set up all the stuff. I was there for about three or f- three hours, you know, making this one video that was 30 seconds long. But I was like, you know what? I feel so accomplished today. And yeah, maybe I had to give up a good chunk of my Saturday. But now because that video's out there, I'm already itching to make another one. And it's like running the marathon. You run the marathon and then it's like, all right, what's next? This week, I put out this video. I took the time. I sucked it up. I was tired, but I did it anyways. And now I just want to make another one and I want to make it better. And at the same time, I on Friday when I decided I was going to do this the next day, I was also like, all right, well, this is great for my drum set playing, but what about my vibraphone playing? Because that has been sitting and getting stale too. And for those of you that don't know, when I say vibraphone, uh, it is picture a as big a big xylophone. No, I, no, I'm gonna say picture <laughs> a xylophone. All right, same framework, same shape, but the bars are made of aluminum, and there's a pedal on it like a piano. So it pedals the same way a piano does, but then it also it's an electric instrument. It plugs into the wall. It has a flip that switch on and it uh, has these motors that spin inside of it that give the vibraphone a vibrating kind of sound, a woo, woo, woo kind of sound. Can you do the sound again? No. And so that's what I'm talking about when I say vibraphone. Just look it up. Just look at a picture. Um, so what I did was I bought a book that I was kind of ashamed to buy, but it was a book that had six vibraphone pieces in it. And I was like, all right, here's my goal. I'm going to practice these pieces enough, all six of them, so that by December, I can say that they're mastered by the end of December, that, that's my goal. And I want to be comfortable enough playing them that I can 
record and make a video of myself playing them. No, I don't think the people of TikTok want to see me playing these uh, developmental vibraphone pieces, but I'll make it for myself. I'll put it on YouTube just to get myself to practice them as if I were doing it for a performance. Yeah. And the reason I was ashamed to buy this book was because the title of the book, it's called Motors On for the Developing Vibraphonist. And that word developing made me feel really bad because yeah. that's something I should have been working through in college, uh -huh. which I did work through stuff like that in college. But I'm like, I'm, uh, I've graduated with my degree in music and I'm buying a developing book for this yeah. specific instrument it made me feel a little ashamed but i was like all right i can sit here and not buy it because i feel ashamed and not practice at all or i can buy the freaking book and master these six pieces and dust myself off and get back to the level i was and i was like you know what screw it i'm buying this book i'm gonna work through these six pieces if i post these videos and someone says like oh you're you know you have a music degree and you're playing through this book like that's shameful whatever who yeah. cares who because cares I'm out there trying to make it myself better. I'm putting in the time and you're not. So I can't tell you how many trumpet books I have that are called like first book of practical studies or like first yeah. book of etudes. Like those are necessary in your practice. And I was mm -hmm. talking, we had a friend visit us this week and we were talking about practicing. Um, and he had said like, pra you're supposed to sound bad when you're practicing. Like it's yeah, not, if you sound good, then you're not you're learning not, anything. Yeah, it's like you're not working on what needs to improve. Like the point of practicing is working on improving something specific in your playing. So it's like, yeah, you whatever you're practicing, like it should be something that's not like, not that you shouldn't be proud of what you're practicing, but it's like, it's not something that you're going to share with the world and be like, this is what I'm doing. This is the height of my musicianship. It's like, no, this is so I can work on this to get to the next step like i'm working on this specific thing in my practice sessions so that i can be better at my instrument so that i can play for tiktok or i can play a performance like it's yeah it's all building blocks it's scaffolding well now because i have this book i'm itching to play my vibraphone when i get to school tomorrow and i've already planned like you know what maybe i try and get to school 20 minutes earlier than i normally would to work on the first piece in that book and you know, the the TikTok thing is really driving my uh, urge to play drum set and to make the time for it. So I guess to wrap this up, what we're trying to say, because the topic of this episode was, you know, how do you make time for your hobbies when you're working a full-time job or doing anything full-time? Again, parenting full-time. Like, yeah. if you're doing anything, how do you make time for this stuff? You the world is not going to add three hours to the day. If the day was 27 hours long, we wouldn't have any problems right now. And we probably wouldn't be talking about this. That's not going to happen. You need to find something that is going to push you to do it. And for me, that was jumping on the TikTok train and making this first video and buying that book, even though I was a little ashamed to buy it. It's, I feel the itch again. And if you're not feeling the itch with your hobby, that like innate need to do it then you got to keep searching so i yeah. i can't say what that's going to be specifically for you the listener because you know maybe you're a painter you maybe you play golf maybe you write maybe i don't know you need to find something that's going to give you the itch again and it's that same thing we kind of started this conversation with which is it's finding just to start one thing and making time for that one thing however you can whether it's at the start of your day 
so it gets out of the way and you make sure you do it or if it's making time at the end of the day before you wind down it, or if you have time at your lunch break to write for 20 minutes whatever it is start with just one thing and start with the bare minimum of making sure you incorporate that into your day to make it more fulfilling so sorry this wasn't like a funny episode but i think it's useful i think it's helpful and loretta has said she has the itch like eight times in this episode so she's really itchy I'm very itchy. And you know, while we're at it, at LVD Drums on TikTok. Yeah, that's right. Go at, look at it. At LVD Drums. That's at right, LVD, another D, R-U-M-S. That's the one. That's the one. There's one video there, but there will be more because I have that itch. I'm very itchy. Loretta's very itchy. So um, what we do want to wrap up with is... We want to tell you what the topic is going to be for next week's episode because we do have our stuff together now and we have figured out what that topic is going to be. That's right. So when you reach out to us via email, which we hope you will all do. We know Trey will. We know Trey will. Uh, you can either talk about this topic that we discussed this week or we're encouraging you to talk about next week's topic, which is, Loretta, what's next week's topic? So next week, the topic is annoying things you had to do before you could have the job you enjoy. So if you are a person who's in a job that you don't enjoy, because some of us do get stuck in that situation, this is not um, maybe a topic for you. But if you are that person that's in your dream job or you are just in a job that you simply enjoy, maybe it wasn't your dream job, but you like what you do. What did you have to do, whether it was in college or your training for this job? That kind of sucked. And I'm going to give one example. Me and Kyle, we have our music education degrees, which we love what we do, but getting there sometimes wasn't so fun. It was a long journey. Sometimes uh, on a Friday night in college, instead of going out with our our friends, we had to sit and watch a dueling harpsichord concert for class credit. Not the way I wanted to spend my Friday night, but it had to get done so that I could be in the job that I have today, so that I could get the credentials that I wanted to work my dream job or the job that I just enjoy. So what are those things that you had to do to get where you are, the things that bothered you? Yeah, whether that's uh, something you had to do to get your certification or whether that's a job you had to work as a stepping stone to get there to fill the fill the pay void or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're, uh, we're looking for. So thank you for listening. listening and please subscribe, like, follow, rate, all of that. It helps us out. And I'm going to say that email one more time. So that's it's, right. Actually, you say it. you're better at doing that. All right. It's Mr. and Mrs. V pod at gmail.com. That's M R A N D M R S V P O D at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. We'll uh, see you next week.